whatever happened to his predictability. The milkman, the paper boy, the evening TV. You miss your old familiar friends but waiting just around the bed. Everywhere you look, everywhere you look. That's what I had told him. And I I thought I made myself very clear. So I know this is all in the past. Hindsight's 2020, whatever. But I said, Kevin Spacey, look, man, is as long as you don't get caught, it's not wrong. And I told I don't know how many times I told him that. He got sloppy, is is all that happened. <clears throat> are we uh, are we recording yet? I believe so. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Flex Your Faith Pumpcast. <laughs> We are here in studio. Was that a witnessing opportunity you had with Kevin Spacey, by the way? Who? (laughs) Oh, just uh, we'll edit that out. Okay. Where are we at? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Continuing forward, like this is going very well. It is the Pumpcast. You can find us online. I'm not going to tell you how. That's kind of part of the fun. (laughs) Google it and you'll find us. We're everywhere. Where there are listeners. <laughs> yes. There you are. Like the Illuminati. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, which reminds me, it's next Wednesday at 7 p.m. this time. <laughs> A little bit earlier, if you guys can make it. Uh, that's the Northeast Ohio Illuminati chapter meeting. <laughs> they treat us. Did they ever send out last week's minutes for that meeting? <laughs> no. Yeah, not at all. And it might still be available, but you got to log into the whole portal. Mm-hmm. You got to change your password every few days. I don't know. So I'll find out. I'll just forward it to you guys. Okay. Excellent. Cool. Thank you. Uh, but we are the Flex Your Faith Pumpcast. You can visit FlexYourFaith.com if you're man enough. Or if not, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing the gauntlet down. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Pretty much, I don't want to give away all of our secrets, but... We're, Zenga. We're online. MySpace. Um, MySpace. I wonder what Tom's up to. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still at his desk with that yeah. pencil and the white t-shirt. He's got some stuff on the dry erase board behind him. Do you remember that guy? I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, uh, speaking of which, we've got a three-timer in the studio tonight. Call him Steve Martin, if we are going by <laughs> SNL standards. We've got Corey the Wolf Howell. Corey's in studio. Say hi, Corey. Why's he got to be a wolf? Because like howl. Oh, okay. That's kind of funny. I just thought of that right now. You can tell whenever I think I say something really funny by the expression on my face. For those of you listening, you know, you can't tell. (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. And also in studio tonight for the first time. uh, First time in studio. He joined us on our very first Skype session, which has not been uploaded yet. It's like a B-side. You know, like to an album or a deleted scene in a movie. Except you get the whole blooper reel with Dr. Luke Johnson. I call him LJ. What's up, Luke? Nothing much, Aaron. How about you? Okay, I'm doing all right, man. You know, a little bit. I'm not a a doctor. A little bit of a challenging week. Well, no, yeah, I mean, you haven't finished medical school. I'm just. (laughs) I haven't started either. (laughs) (laughs) Just like I haven't finished law school. (laughs) (laughs) 
So speaking of the law, I thought, why don't we do our listeners a solid? And we're going to go over some of our talking points uh, real quick. We're going to breeze through them, and then we're going to touch on them one by one. I would like to act this afternoon as more of a thought provoker if than anything, because I want to hear your guys' perspective on things. So like guerrilla warfare, I'm going to jump in and then jump out. I'm going to do the hokey pokey of, of show hosting. Uh, so here's what you have in store if you're listening to the the smooth sound of my voice like molasses. What's that from? The Office. Savannah. Yeah. <laughs> there has been a murder. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about one Lori Laughlin. Finally, Aunt Becky. We're going to bring her to the forefront. Uh, United Airlines just came out over the past 24 hours with a new corporate policy, a fly zone, as it were, for people of all sexual persuasions, including non-binary. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the Muslims. Just keep it lighthearted, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Avoid those controversial circles of, of discussion. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what does it really mean to be inclusive? And is that really at the exclusion of others? <gasps> Stay tuned to find out. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about... I think you just lost 90% of your audience right now. <laughs> we're down to two? <laughs> we're going to go on, uh, if we have time, and we will, we're going to talk a little bit about Donald Trump. Not my president! <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since you resurrected that voice. I'm so happy to bring it back. Uh, Donald Trump, he recently recognized that Zionist... Some more legitimate land of the Israelites. Amen. It's been a, a few years in the making. <laughs> uh, and then last but not least. Well, it might be least. Let me look at my notes real quick. Yeah, who cares? It's going to be, what do we deserve? Uh, one of the talk show pundits I listen to a little bit, uh, as I can on the treadmill, is Steven Crowder. Uh, Louder with Crowder. He's on YouTube, and he has uh, his own little platform there at his website. As Luke and I were just talking before you came into the studio, uh, he's the famous singer-songwriter who's very mm -hmm. breathy in his lyrics. Turn your ear to heaven. <laughs> just kidding. That's David Crowder. Oh, I love his song. Uh, is that Creed? What? <laughs> <laughs> what about Stephen Crowder? I'm sorry. No, that's okay. He very interrupt you today. He did. Uh, that's what you're here for. You're doing well. He had a segment to close out his show about what do we deserve. And uh, usually he tries to make it very insightful. And it was for sure. But, you know, Stephen Crowder is a self-professing Christian. Uh, and and, and this isn't insulting whatsoever. I listen to him because I'm a fan. Uh, but it's when it's convenient for him or when it increases the uh, powerful message that he's trying to get across. But he just had this really interesting uh unique opportunity to pivot to the spiritual side of things like what do we deserve ultimately for our eternity future and he kind of missed a big opportunity so mm -hmm. i thought uh you know with our uh, the limited scope in comparison to steven crowder even with our audience never want to miss that opportunity no so i'm going to grab that reborn dot <laughs> reborn rebound off the backboard and <laughs> take it for a goal <laughs> yeah or right through the goalpost <laughs> to actually talk about being reborn that's where I was going with that. How about that? Thanks, Corey. No, reborn did. No man left behind. <laughs> you saved me. <laughs> so are you guys familiar with Lori Laughlin? Yes. Yes. Okay. More familiar with Aunt Becky. 
Mm-hmm. That's she hasn't aged, by the way. It's amazing. She's still really gorgeous. Hollywood, right? They have all the answers. Yeah, even so, to they seem aging, and they apparently have all the professors and uh, admissions people in their back pocket. Are too. her and John Stamos still married? <laughs> yes, and Rebecca. In my mind, <laughs> that was only on TV. What? Mm-hmm. I'll catch you up later. Full House isn't. There's a reality TV show. Didn't they relaunch Full House? Fuller House, because oh, I mean, goodness. copyrights and whatnot. Well, <laughs> or just creativity, because I don't know about you, but if I'm going to, you know, make a spinoff of one of the most popular family shows of all time, mm-hmm. I'm just going to add an ER to the end of it. Yeah, like Dumb and Dumber. Or, <laughs> and we we saw how that unfolded. But Lori Laughlin, so here's my take on it in a nutshell. Like I said, very succinct. And then I'm going to hand the floor over to you guys for a point counterpoint, as it were. Uh, I don't see a problem with it. So let me just lay my cards out on the table here. And more, Corey's eyebrows went vertical. So I can tell by his anti-gravity eyebrows that he's going to disagree. And I think that makes for great discourse. Here's the reason why I agree with her. And it's not because I support Lori Laughlin. She is a professed liberal we pretty much hold uh, ideals and viewpoints that are diametrically opposed. So I don't support her as a person. And I, of course, don't know anything about her spiritual background. But my argument would come in, and this might be unique, it might not be. I don't really listen to any of the mainstream media. So if this has already been said a million times, to me, it's original. Uh, any of these Ivy League schools or these top, uh, these Big Ten schools, pretty much what they charge is up to them. It's a free market. They don't have a responsibility to offer an education to any of us. They're not beholden or held at gunpoint to offer an education to the average uh, fill-in-the-blank American citizen. Because of that, I feel that their tuition that they charge can be pretty much aligned with extortion because I feel that their their fees are so high because here in Ohio, at least Northeast Ohio, we have a campus, Kent State University, and uh, you can go there for... 40, 50, 60% less than any of these so-called Big Ten or collegiate uh, Ivy League schools. So if you're going to pay quadruple, quintuple of a tuition to go to a college, what is really, legally speaking, what is keeping them from saying, okay, great, let's compare apples to apples in a vacuum, right? We're going to ask for a couple hundred more thousand dollars because we have every right to. We are a private enterprise. We're not government run. So if we want to enforce any sort of discrimination as we see fit, what is really wrong with that? And Aaron Smith would answer, well, nothing. It's like any free enterprise. You have a supply. You have a demand. That's why a Lamborghini might not be worth $400,000. But if a, a business executive or a CEO of a large enterprise wants to pay it, hey, that's okay. So, guys, you take it from here. Well, obviously, you are well more adverse on this topic than I am because I just assumed it was the fact that she was caught bribing them and so i didn't realize it was more the uh, admissions professors that were saying hey you know they were bribing them or getting more money off of it i i thought she was the guilty party here she's the guilty party in in of the fact that uh america by and large would were to say hey because you have larger coffers or a larger bank account with more decimals and commas than the average person why would you be set up to have this unfair you know, air quotes, unfair advantage to have your children receive a better education. My counterpoint to that would be that's dumb because no matter if you look at it from the lowest common denominator of 
organic food or locally sourced type of, um, uh, you know, healthy food to where the best way for me to try to frame this up is that people who do well, they provide for their family, they have the means to do so. At, and it, at all phases of their life and it, uh, at all facets of what they can provide for their children, it's always going to be better. So why wouldn't you continue that train of thought or that pattern all the way through their higher education? So a, a, a poor person that's been uh, impoverished, right? Maybe they don't have the ability to go to Harvard or Duke or an Ivy League college. Well, the same could be said at, at a, a healthcare standpoint. They don't have the same means to provide anything uh, as far as a better education from K through five, middle school, junior high. So why not continue that common thread through this elective type schooling, which is college? We're not forced by mandate of government to go to college. So let the free market reign. My opinion on the whole Lori Laughlin situation and. Uh, to my understanding, there were other celebrities who came out as well in this whole, you know, Yeah, why are you just uh, being exclusive to Lori Laughlin? Uh, because what Lori, about Felicity Huffman? Lori was basically held up as the poster child because she's the most recognizable and, and relevant she's been right now. A lot now. more, to my knowledge, yeah. than a lot of the others. For so, uh, if, if we were gonna, I guess we could judge it in that way. Hence, why she might be the poster child. But anyway, to my point, I seeing it on the news and seeing it. Uh, a lot on Fox. Really, that's the station I watch. Not fake news. Fox News. Fox and Friends. Fox and Friends. <laughs> um, seeing it on Fox News as much as it was, especially last week, my original reaction was this is a sub story. And to see it on the news every day and a lot of the day as much as it was, my my biggest opinion I kind of formed on it was what is the big, not the what's the big deal. She was wrong with what she did and so are the others in my opinion. Um, but why, why, the, why that's what he's a, at, that's what Aaron's getting at why do you feel that well, way well, she was I've just been ignorant she, on the entire she thing. was wrong in of bribing now I, Aaron's point of be, people colleges being able to charge what they want and no one's forcing anyone to go to school very true very true but her and the others that paid or bribed the schools to let their kids in I don't agree with that um, I don't also agree with the you know the other people involved in admissions and I mean there was many people involved as a lot of the schools came out and said because the process of that being able to happen would have involved many people. But my biggest opinion on the thing was why does this matter as much as it does? Right. Why is it as big of a story as it became? And um, I guess that would be my, my biggest question. I don't see – again, I just think it was a sub-story. I think it happens more often than a lot of people think. That's Well, first of all, right. You know, the fact that this was brought to the surface, uh, the reason why it grew legs and why it continues through the news cycle – and this is just another one of my opinions is because a, it had a poster child, someone very recognizable and B because it really furthers and it gives un, uh, unmerited credence to intersectionality to where they can continue this ridiculousness of race wars of income level wars, basically anything that, uh, that's a good point puts forward division in the country is what a sells is what is going to continue making its life cycle longer in the news that you're going to see it covered. And B, it's really what furthers the narrative of the liberal agenda, you know, for the last century by dividing America into these small little pigeonholed sects. Now we have the ability to control their voting blocks to move forward and to reshape, or as, you know, Obama called it, to, uh, to uh, fundamentally transform 
the landscape of American politics. And the easiest way to do that is through envy and covetousness and all of these other attributes that we're so susceptible to. So they're, they know what they're doing. It's engineered. I see. I see exactly what you're talking about with those two qualities. I've never thought about it, but those are some of the biggest qualities, in my opinion, that, you know, uh, end up resulting in what, you know, people call prejudice and basically division among poor, rich, you know, different races, different cultures, different belief systems, religions, whatever it might be. Um, and in this case, I, I would agree that that's exactly what it, it would make sense that that's what it's doing. Um, in my opinion, and there's a lot that goes into this, but my opinion, and it's what I believe based on fact, is that um, especially when it comes to the conversation of colleges and being able to afford college and afford an education, as people say, um, it's very, really anyone can afford college or an education in our system um, my, I'm, I'm an example of this my parents don't make a ton of money but we get a lot of financial aid and i'm able to go to college in a smaller college it costs less and still make a life for myself so in that way i think it is just a way for people to look for division among rich and poor and their the complaints of you know them being rich so they can get a better education i, I don't think those are valid points i think you can make it you, in this country you have the ability and the resources to make it really anywhere you come from so well absolutely that i mean that's pretty much the common thread of the american way uh and Corey, i don't know if you have any further thoughts on this but uh one thing that i do want to touch on is uh, it's very easy for the bottom looking up to see the quote unquote the rich as unfairly gaining their advantage by standing on the backs of the poor or by that that pie if you think of it mentally only being so big and only so many people can have a piece of that pie and the rich get richer and the poor get poor. That's not necessarily true. That's actually just a falsehood that perpetuates this, this entire ideal. And it's baseless because you can make the pie bigger. And we've shown that for centuries now. And that's a whole reason why America's number one in innovation and reinvestment into what we do. We make that pie bigger. You look back one, two, three decades ago, we didn't have such a thing as Google, as Amazon, as any sort of an e-commerce industry, all these things were fabricated by the ideas of man and they were pretty much uh, supported by capitalism, by free enterprise, mm -hmm. and by allowing people to go further and, and uh, to take it more seriously than they could have before. And I think that you look at the free market, I just wanna give you guys one example, in real estate, if you take the same four walls and roof and you put it in the suburbs of New York, or in a very desirable area, or you take that same exact house, that same blueprint built by the same company, and you put it in the flyover land of Idaho, you're gonna get two extremely uh, far and wide apart offers of that real estate. It doesn't mean that the real estate's change, the materials change, anything like that, but people are gonna pay more for it. So why would it be this incriminating type of procedure with Lori Laughlin or any of these other people that have been indicted as well, to say, hey, not only do I want my kids to go to school, and I'm not arguing that what Lori Laughlin has done is smart, it's not financially prudent, but I'm gonna give you a couple hundred thousand dollars over and above your asking tuition to secure a spot for my children because I love them and I wanna give them everything in the world. And I don't see a moral or an ethical problem with that. America sees that as Lori Laughlin's children kicking out other qualified people from the system that could have taken advantage of that those tuitions i see it as that's just how the free market works i don't get i don't get aggravated when i see someone on a private jet because they've worked their entire life to do so and i can take that and i can transfer it right over here with Lori and her other people and, and that's my stance 
I think she she probably would have been better off taking that five hundred thousand dollars and putting it into a trust fund or maybe a, a modestly yielding stock market or mutual fund for her kids. Yeah, but it's her money. Coming from what I know about this story is mainly from the standpoint of opening up my web browser at work and seeing the Bing articles popping up. I was like, oh, that's clickbaity. And then just going on to whatever I was originally doing at work Bing. Uh, <laughs> through one of the other interwebs. But uh, so I honestly didn't care too much for the story. I just saw it as another celebrity scandal and didn't really care uh, for who it was or for what the whole topic was. So. I personally, any time that this ever came up in the news, I just didn't really care to know more about it. But so I'm with you on everything you're talking about from a capitalistic standpoint. I'm with you on everything that you're talking about as far as, um, you know, uh, there is a narrative that's being used by the liberal media to try to destroy, even though Hollywood is one of the biggest proponents of liberal media. Right. And so there is this kind of juxtaposition and this, you know, hypocrisy that's going on here. So I'm with you on that. My understanding is it's if you know that like if you're going to buy a house, right, you know that you are competing against other possible buyers Bidding to try to rope the seller into getting your offer. And so, hey, maybe offering a few thousand dollars more than the asking price that might secure you. That is common practice. And that is, you know, as it pertains to this market of buying a home, that's acceptable Whereas my limited knowledge of doing that in the education realm, I think that there are pretty succinct laws and rules that say, hey, you can do this in a free market with everything else. But this one facet here of education, it's going to be seen as a bribe, I think. And, and that's a thing, too. I mean, it does come down to the heart motive. Is that what she was doing? Was she trying to not use her resources that she has earned to secure her daughter's place? Was she doing it to try to say, hey, I will make this worth your while? Because I'm pretty certain that mm -hmm. there's not going to be a receipt sent. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure that this was all under the table. And like we know from scripture, anything that's done in the dark, anything that you try to hide is never, ever going to be a good thing. That's true. And so that's where my whole thought process is. And again, this is coming from somebody who I just see the headline article, see what she's accused of, and then I don't really care that much. So I move on because it's not really a topic of interest for me. But- Knowing what she was accused of for bribery, uh, I, I would say that this probably doesn't suit, even though I agree with everything you're saying, I don't think this would possibly be the same kind of a connecting story. I think if she lost anywhere, it was in the court of public opinion. And I think that uh, what you said is pretty much representative yeah. of how America views this story. You know, we'll click on anything that MSM or the mainstream media puts Bing. in front of us <laughs> and we'll chew it up. This yeah. is an example, by the way, and this is my final thought on this so we can move on. Uh, this is really an example of the liberals writ large in the mainstream media being very willing to eat their own. Yes. As Satan is known to do. Oh, yeah. He's a devourer. I got one more point on what Corey said. Do it. <clears throat> do it, man. In, you know, what I, I understand your point of view of the. And even when he brought up with the whole house bid and the, the example of that. Awesome. Where you so would, moving on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Where you wouldn't. And I agree. I, I wouldn't see someone in a private jet and be, you know, be mad at them. And they've worked and they've earned that. And there's no there's no envy, you know, there or me being mad at them. However, in from my understanding, her kids didn't necessarily and some of the other kids involved in this didn't necessarily earn their even athletic positions 
on some of the teams on these in these schools or not just their academic positions. And so in that way, you, if you see school as a free market enterprise and kind of in a, like a, an example of that, but not with monetary, you're not getting money. You're kind of getting a buildup for your future in that schooling. Mm-hmm. Some of those kids um, who may have been, you know, that spot may have been taken. I don't know how that works, so I can't speak to that. But if their spot was taken by, you know, them paying their way, their parents paying their way, then in that way, I don't necessarily agree with how it would work out. Um the parents would really then be in control of uh, their future where if that kid worked over the other kid, then they might've deserved that more. So what I want to know is in her day in court, will uncle Jesse get up there and say, judge have mercy. (laughs) That was my best best impression from the show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) From full house. I think it's a perfect segue to our next topic. I actually um, mentioned Maybe not. No, no, no. We will. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> that dovetail was beautiful, Corey. I mentioned before any of this unfolded, there was Lori Laughlin was mentioned about Call of the Heart, a Netflix. I'm sorry, a Hallmark, Hallmark original or Lifetime series. Hallmark, not Lifetime. And stupid channels. As soon as this came out, it was it's something that Sarah was was binge watching all five seasons. But as soon as this story came out, again, this is uh, very symptomatic of what we see uh, from the left in general. And that's not a pejorative, by the way. When I say the left, I think everyone, hopefully, especially the people listening in, they understand that I just mean Democrats and who they are and represent. But people from the left, uh, with before gathering facts, as they often do, mm-hmm. their knee-jerk reaction was to terminate her contract. Kind of yeah. like a Jussie Smollett type of a thing. Uh, I'm fine with that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when he has a history of doing this and... The fact that he knew the two guys who did it worked with them on the same show. <laughs> He's goofy. Yeah. This guy's done. He's a big goofy goop. <laughs> goofy goober, as SpongeBob would say. <laughs> there was something else, but I'm I'm done with Lori for now. Uh, listen, Lori, if you're listening, you're not listening. <laughs> but if you are, if She's you know a girl. She's in jail. If you know a guy who knows she has a guy free time now. who knows a guy who's listening to this. Boom. Maybe they'll pass along to you. Seven degrees of separation from Lori Laughlin. <laughs> uh, she'll be on the show next week, guys. So make sure you tune in <laughs> directly from Cell Block 99. Yeah. <laughs> that movie's sweet. What's it called? Full House? Brawl. Brawl in Cell, Brawl in cell Block 99? Yeah. Vince Vaughn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the double V. That's a again. conservative movie. That is. Uh, Bone Tomahawk, cell, uh, Brawl in, in Cell Block 99, and Dragged Across the Pavement. Concrete. Concrete. Yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced that director so is a conservative, although horrifically violent movies. But Moving on. What was our next topic? Let's talk about it. Uh, th- so this just came out, and, and uh, not very well versed on it. I actually read one of the headlines last night before I was falling asleep with uh, cucumbers on my eyes to some Enya. That's how I sleep. So United Airlines came out with their non-binary ticket sales type of policy. Uh, so here's, and I, I wrote this down. I don't want to mess it up. I actually typed this out while I was on the treadmill this morning. <laughs> it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong. You know what? Don't correct me if I'm wrong. Let me just live in my fantasy world. But it seems like there's a race going on that's really similar to the space race. That uh, it's really captured the hearts and minds of of men into this war-ridden heap of intersectionality. It's, it's, it's perverted, it's confusing, it's devoid of truth, it's 
godless completely. So what comes out of the other side uh, is a race of men that worships themselves. Uh, and it's it turns you into this zombie, like almost uh, you're, you're this mindless molester of truth of one another. And I'm talking about the, nine bi- the non-binary movement. So pedophilia, um, molestation, I mean, all of the other mental illnesses and sicknesses that this is. Uh, and, and I mean, that's that's why they they call it a mental illness. I mean, not knowing what gender you are, you need to seek counseling. And again, this isn't insulting. This is uh, I'm just going by. Up no, until doctors have even doctors from John Hopkins have. Is it Johns Hopkins? Yeah. Is it Johns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you put that S on there. Well, boy, I sound like a credible. Uh, Without even realizing it, you made a great point with the beginning joke you made. You you said, don't tell me if I'm wrong. I'll actually just want to live in my fantasy world. Yeah. And that's what they some people try to do with these issues. And in, in, in fact, when it's a mental illness, as yeah. it was diagnosed for a long time. It's a disorder. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher this analogy, but Frank Turek, um, a great guy, who a very logical Christian guy. Um, does a lot of uh, you guys want to check out his podcast cross examinations cross examined no no he does a lot of cross examinations it was a work play with his oh, title with his title gotcha. <laughs> not to you know endorse somebody else on our podcast do it uh, we but, got more yeah. we got more viewers than him don't worry but no he he <laughs> had this doctor on who was talking about the correlation between that and somebody who has I think it's bulimia it's the idea that they think I mean, I know I'm going to reverse it. Like body image dysphoria. Something well, no, like that. they think that they, yes, that there's something wrong with them, their body physically. Yeah. And there actually isn't. It, and it's something that when, when they work through with them, they have to mentally work with them to cognitively get them to see, no, 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 everything is okay. Right. And they say it's the exact same thing with transgenderism, non-genderism. But yeah, I didn't want to interrupt your what you were saying. I just, that well, was no. something I was thinking about. I mean, that was just an introduction. And I think uh, based on what you were saying, Luke, it's very dangerous, just like it is with any addiction or any mental illness, which, you know, gender dysphoria is. It's very dangerous to support that, Mm -hmm. especially at the high levels that we are now. And if if we look at the slippery slope, my conjecture would be the slope's gone. We have slipped all the way down to the bottom. And now we're basically chiseling through the floor to continue falling through reason. But there's no logic there. There's no line of logic whatsoever. And if you can't follow a line of logic at the end of the day, you are just going to end up confused and in search of answers. And we, we know, the three of us know, and many people listening, that the final authority of wisdom, of knowledge, the beginning thereof, is all, it all comes from God. And he created men and women. And it is, it is unthinkable to me that people can be arrested. And I'm not talking in theory anymore. People have been arrested on several continents now for identifying people as male and female against their will. So whenever you can actually become incarcerated by calling a male a male and a female a female, there is no slope anymore. And that's exactly what happened with United Airlines is uh, a massive billion dollar transcontinental uh, company coming out publicly with no shame and basically saying, hey, listen, here's what we stand for. You want to buy your ticket. You're a male, you're a female, or maybe you're not sure. And to me, that just seems like a security risk. And once again, just a, another idea of supporting the insanity of the gender trans uh, uh, dysphoria. I almost said transphobia. That's what they would call us. I'm so scared. I was a little offended when you said that United Airlines is a transcontinental airline. Was... <laughs> Whammy. <laughs> you can... Wait. What, it... what am I thinking? What? 
Oh. No, transcontinental is oh, the yeah, proper yeah, terminology. Trans. It's just... oh, that was an accidental pun. Yeah. Sometimes when you got it, you just do it on accident. <laughs> <laughs> so it it seems like it's a security risk for the TSA. You know, uh, when they're looking over your, you go up to the podium, you hand them your stuff, and they're looking at your ticket and your license. They're using that highlighter to do their secret sketches. Hands against the glass wall. Yeah. So uh, I couldn't tell here. Are you a man or a woman? <laughs> He's fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think a lot of terrorists, you know, struggle with <laughs> with the, their gender. So maybe not a big TSA thing. But um I don't know. What are your guys' feelings on this? And it's not even in my notes, but something just came out recently as well involving an airport, Chick-fil-A, and homosexual community. So we'll, we'll touch on that briefly, too. But what do you guys feel about this? I mean, this is another example of a massive global corporation just throwing their hands up in the air and saying, you win, weirdos. What do you think? I think it comes down to a um, it's a business decision. It's a decision based on you know what the world sees, what the norm is, what people are accepting in the minority. And people, they, they, they're afraid to lose business if they don't, you know, conform to what the world thinks they should believe and think. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that is, is I have a point with this. Obviously it's a business decision, but I think the problem is, is when you are as a business are making decisions based on just business alone and nothing morally, because morally it would be wrong to make a statement like they did, but not just that also because of the, the, the real epidemic that there is and the, I think you actually said, I think, you know, just a way of using the word, it's a deadly thing to do um, earlier, something along those lines, because it made me think of it actually is trans uh, transgender people. Um, the suicide rates for transgender people is, is through the roof. It's, it's staggering. It's, it's, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. And people will say it's because of the way people treat them, but that's not the case. And the, the reason for that is you think about the depression rates among people who have had abortions. Right. And again, right. it's it's not because people bully them. It's because of the, the weight of that decision and the weight of that decision is really what causes their depression. Well, for transgender people, it's not it's not the bullying that causes their depression and the suicide. It's it's really, when you think about it, when it's something we, they teach in psychology classes and colleges and universities, it's, it's a common teaching about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you guys have ever heard of it, I don't right. know, but one of those most basic needs is um, self-esteem, self-actualization, knowing who you are and have confidence in yourself. And if you don't have that, they don't. They don't know who they are. I mean, they're confused about the mo one of the most basic things about their being, and that's male or female. Mm -hmm. And so without that, you, it's, it's, an it's an epidemic for that reason, not because of how anyone else reacts or how they treat them, because of what they decide and um, their really lack of self-esteem, lack of who they uh, self-esteem and who they are and who God made them to be. Yeah. Um, so in that way, that's it's it comes down to moral versus business. You can't do that as a business. Real, uh, well, uh, real quick. I'm sorry, Corey. No, please. I'm so glad you brought this up because this was the original thought that went through my head and I didn't even take time to write it down. But you just reminded me they're 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 pandering to a group of people purely for profit. And anyone who identifies as transgender or whatever they, you know, X, Y, Z uh, identify as, shouldn't they almost feel insulted about the fact that they're changing their corporate guidelines to have two radio buttons when booking a flight for male and female to also transgender? It does nothing but pander to these people. So they're literally just trying to line the pockets of their shareholders by pandering to these people falsely. Yeah. And, and that's. I mean, if I were a, a, a transgender person, I would think to myself, it's almost like Beta, uh, Beta, that's actually really accurate, Beto O'Rourke, 
<laughs> skateboarding. <laughs> you know, oh, is he on a skateboard? I wasn't sure about this guy, but I think he's pretty hey, cool. He's hip. Yeah. He's identifying with us. Hold on. I'm I'm about ready to cast my vote for you, big guy, but can you do a flip kick? Yes. <laughs> hey, you can run the country. Yeah. Sorry, Corey, go ahead. Oh, now you got me on him. I just had a flashback to an image of him and his punk rock band in the mid '90s that Francis. he was in, where he was wearing a, a dress. Oh yeah, um, fit his frame actually pretty well. It was actually <laughs> narrow shoulders. <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, uh, the one thing I was thinking about, I uh, as Luke was talking, I just couldn't help but you know was reminded of this this morning and what we were talking about, and even just now uh, from a little old book, very old book, right. Outdated, not dependable, uh, definitely not practical in today's day and age. In fact, some would even say it needs to be revised about 10 times a year because of how much (laughs) the English language changes so much. Yeah, I can't keep up. No, but uh, just as a little reminder here, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image make like into corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And you might be out there thinking, man, look at you, you typical. You're reading from the Old Testament thinking, you know, that God is different in the Old Testament. No, folks, that was Romans chapter 1. That's what the Apostle Paul himself had to say in the New Testament which we still live under until Christ comes back. Not my testament. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> yeah, that was great, man. That passage is. But I mean, that's timeless. the thing. It's, it, it's it. Yes, it's a mental disorder. But when you continue to believe lies and you continue to entertain lies and you continue to give in to your own lusts of what you want to do. You have seared your conscience, the Bible says, again, in the New Testament, and God has given you over to a reprobate mind, and that's where, and it's unfortunate to think of it that way, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's what is going on. That's what's happening. Yeah. Um, well, just to add to that point, I, I just think American Airlines, if you guys are out there listening, um, I don't know if you guys... Who, We've got some who, sponsors. Is it American or United? I don't know who their representative United. is. United Airlines. Yeah. Oh, American Airlines is the airline. Mr. United. American Airlines is the airline from Home Alone. It's also the airlines. I've so you know you before, can trust so. them. <laughs> <laughs> but this company, they, they're not. They're not going to do any better. Um, this is not a smart business decision, mm-hmm. as it might seem on on the surface. I've said this before. Things that, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to things with God. Not everything that works out on paper is actually the reality of it. And I think of Chick-fil-A as my example. I say this to people a lot. I say, you know, lots of businesses, friends I know that work in restaurants and things, they stay open more. They stay open longer hours and more on holidays and on Sundays and just to make more money. Chick-fil-A doesn't even open on Sunday and they haven't really changed their hours and they've respected that day, Sunday, and they're one of the most profitable businesses out there. Yeah. They're never not busy. And you know why? It's because they stuck with God and they've mm-hmm. stuck with what his word says. And yeah, it might on paper, adding in Sunday would probably make them a lot more money. But in the long run, no. And this decision and as many decisions against the Bible, it's just going to, it's not going to help in the long run. Having said that, I still prefer Cane's chicken over Chick-fil-A. Yeah. It is so bland. 
But when you, you have that sauce, though. I, I tried the sauce. And you know what? For the money, I'm full afterwards. It's true. I get Chick-fil-A. I want another meal right away. Well, I mean, you're obese. So. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see it. He's, he's an easy 450. <laughs> Pushed in four and three quarters. I, I tried Cane's. I wasn't impressed. Even with um, the, the Bible is full of, man, people don't always know this part of the Bible, but it's full of practical business, real business aspects. Like I know Aaron, he, he yeah. runs his own business and he's been he's been successful and he has you know basic principles of work and work ethic that have um, sure helped him. Like getting up early, that's allowed him to be a lot more productive. I'm sure you would agree with that, Aaron, right? I wake up at 8 a.m. every morning, <laughs> no matter rain or shine. Well, that's why that's why European countries heading off to work at 10.30 in the morning. That's why they're so much richer than America because they all oh, they're get five weeks it. vacation and get to work at 10.30, get home at 2, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but Siesta. even we, we read a verse this morning and it would just blow up really all these this this talk of socialism, socialism in America and all these things going on. It would really just blow all these out, things out of the water if people just believe the Bible. And it's very simple. Paul said um, he was talking to a church and he was talking to the people he had been visiting with. And he was talking about how people need, needing to be willing to be hospitable and to serve. Oh, yeah. He said, and if you're not willing to work or those who aren't willing to work, they don't eat. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. That's where it was. Yep. Were you in Eddie's class? Yep. Oh, yeah. And yeah I, oh, that's right. You were. I saw you walk yeah. in. You look super sharp in your shirt and tie. So I walked in 10 minutes late. I had, I had to get ready with my shirt and tie. <laughs> it took 10 minutes. <laughs> well, no, he actually got ready like a half hour earlier, but the tie had to keep going through the tie and getting it to the proper length. I've been I there. I had to spend We've at least an there. hour getting my physical body ready. I spent spiritually no preparation though. <laughs> <laughs> if you look good, that's what God cares about. Exactly. See, God looketh on the outward appearance. <laughs> that's where I was going. <laughs> the, in, the outward man. <laughs> we look a little bit deeper. Though our inward man perish, the outward man is renewed day by day. <laughs> it's funny. Because it's false. <laughs> <laughs> there were, yeah, there's people probably like, you know, I'm going to write that on an index card and memorize that. That oh, sounds good. Pretty good. Like in the gym? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you would honestly be surprised at how many people uh, in my peer group that have told me, um, you know, have said things like along those lines, like, you know, I got to do this. I, uh, this is funny. I've had one person who's actually one of my better friends. So Give his name. Give his I'm name. I'm not going to give his name. <laughs> it's his mom. He said to me. I he's like I'm trying to get my body ready for camp, for our senior high camp. <laughs> I said from our church. <laughs> from our church. He's gonna and I be said, shred. All right, if this guy's listening right now, I'm I gonna believe, find you. I actually believe he said he was gonna listen, and he knows I made fun of him for it. Washboard though. abs. And I I just immediately was stopped in my tracks. But you know, a lot of people even treat Sundays like that. Yeah. Sunday morning might be one of the few days people don't actually get up to read their Bibles. Yeah. They spend maybe a lot of time getting their physical self ready yep. to look good at church and then no spiritual time. Or uh, this flip side of that, that might be the only day of the week that they get any Bible and it's not even of their own doing. It's from just listening to the pastor preach. Exactly. Sweet. I have that thought a lot. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of off the reservation for what we were talking about, but I, I've had that same thought and mm. I used to use that same excuse. Oh, sweet. You know what? Let me go ahead and, and catch up on some Z's. I'm going to be fed yeah. from the word of God today. So the other six days, I'll fit it in. Yeah. that is. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, man. So wait, are you saying that you do or don't read your Bible on Sundays? I do read my Bible. Okay, great. I don't mm -hmm. want you to be mischaracterized. <laughs> Never missed one Sunday. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I have. <laughs> if you miss, well, if you miss church, 
just make sure to pray for salvation again. Okay. And get baptized again. Oh, Not, it's the same thing. You have to remember the Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it holy. <laughs> Don't forsake the assembly. On uh, Saturday. <laughs> you know what? My my next two points, that was such a good back and forth. Um I don't have a lot of <laughs> intensity when it really comes to this right now. This morning I sure did when I was taking these notes down for our show prep. But with Muslims in general and, you know, firing, you know, Hezbollah, more like Hezbollah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice rockets, guys. Where'd you get those from? Phantom fireworks? <laughs> Obama. That's a, oh, yeah. Seriously. It's due to American taxpayers. Thanks a lot there, Barry <laughs> Hussein. <laughs> Uh, Iron Dome kicking it into high gear. Yeah, <laughs> it's so sweet. I, I love it. I don't know what you guys are talking it's about. Like basically, it's like, yeah, Israel's oh, okay. uh, rocket defense system. It's it's kind of like Hezbollah's sponsored fireworks every night. <laughs> if I was living in Jerusalem, I'd be like, thanks, Or guys. Tel Aviv. Did you see that this week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, Lots of them. That's like a real city. That's like a, like a New York kind of a Yeah, that's, that's like, like yeah. their most there, populated. There, there are commercials in America that I've seen. In my house for tours and you know tourists going to Tel Aviv for trips to Tel Aviv, and there were missiles launched at Tel Aviv this week. I just yep. that's just crazy to me. That's not that doesn't get more attention. If there were missiles being fired in any city like that in the United States, you know. Well, we've seen so much persecution of Christians uh, over time. Uh, Corey turned me on to Fox's Book of Martyrs a couple years ago, and I, I spend a lot of time in that. What's really funny is. Uh, Jaman, one of the my current disciple that I'm working with right now, going through like the for those of you who don't know, discipleship is just the pattern uh, that Jesus Christ left for us in the Bible for producing or multiplying other multipliers rather than just the the one by one type of addition uh, of salvation. But anyway, so I was working uh, with Jaman on some of these things. Oh no, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Thank you. <laughs> you can tell. I know you. you looked at me and you're like. Let me help him out of this. <laughs> I completely forgot where I was going with that. Jamon is so handsome that I often lose. I start thinking about his V-neck sweaters and just. And then how, you question your salvation and, and my sexuality. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know that I'm, I'm up for whatever. <laughs> it depends on. So, anyways, <laughs> Fox's Book of Martyrs. So I've spent a lot of time in that. And for those of you that that don't have it, um, go to your local library. They won't have it either. But you can order on Amazon. What's funny is it used to be required reading in high school. Are you being serious? Yeah. Fox's Book of Martyrs. Yeah. I mean, not that long ago even. I know of people who, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never read it. Well. In school. It, it is It is so encouraging through failure and discouragement, if that makes sense, to really frame up the context of our lives right now in America. Uh, as Christians, just the fact that we walk around all day with pretty much total immunity. I mean, aside yeah. from, you know, a backlash of someone poking fun at us or chastisement, whatever the case may be, but we should expect that as Christians and, and God warns us about that. But in Nigeria, for example, there is massive persecution. Uh, I, I mean, murder, bodies found without heads and people. Uh, there was a 45 year old rabbi that was killed yesterday or the day before with 12 kids. It's a lot of kids, but he was just beheaded because of the fact that he had Judeo-Christian beliefs. Uh, and it's unbelievable. And my, my show notes here, and you know, when I get excited, sometimes I use pretty strong language, but really... Not 
cursing, just uh, strongly. Yeah. yeah, definitive. Yes, words. Yes, I, 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 just, I felt the need. I needed to interject because <laughs> I, I can already see some people be language. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can already see some people like you know. I always thought he cussed off there. Yeah. <laughs> Let me. I hit the mute button a few times to show. <laughs> it's Tourette's. We need to get one of those bleep buttons. Just for no reason. I mean, we could just use it and not actually say the words, just so people get the point. I actually thought it would be cool to have a whole show where anytime we we make a, a reference to anything controversial, we use the uh, the censor button. You know, it's funny. I, I want to find this, but Aaron Stanley, uh, he actually made a video uh, a while back. It was supposed to be one of those like just, you know, kind of like a promotional Christian video that, you know, people would make. Right. And and he used it. And every time he said something that was, you know, like Bible, gospel, Jesus, the cross, <laughs> and he's given the gospel, it got censored out. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a play on words uh, of, you know, what's happening with Christians today. But it was kind of funny. Just replace any mention of those <laughs> terms with the word love. Because, <laughs> you know, we can all nobody God says we are all lovers. Yeah. And we deserve judgment. <laughs> well, when you die, you will go to love. <laughs> we're lovers. We're lovers of self. Yeah. <laughs> That would be funny. I would like to do that. I, my my whole thing with replace those like doctrinally sound words with the word love is the whole ecumenical movement. Yes. They've even made commercials about that as um, the Pope so-called makes his, his visits to all the other religions of the world. Anyways, thank you for tuning in <laughs> to the Pumpcast. So uh, I was gathering my thoughts. What my notes here say is Muslim extremists or Christian extremists extremists no, no matter what it's basically that that um preposition or or uh, whatever you preface the you know xyz with fill in the blank it doesn't matter but when at what point in time and this is not a rhetorical question it, it's it's I'm, I'm on a sincere fact-finding mission but at what time do you drop the extreme and just realize that hey this group over here or this this um this segment of a population over here or this religion over here that's just who they are. That's what they represent. And you're pretty much softening what they've come out with, with, you know, their charter documents is saying, no, we do represent this, this, and this. What's the deal with softening up those, those edges with the word extremist? Well, I think, um, the number one key is ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. People who like to defend them and say that they are not, they'll, uh, people will commonly say they're not all, extremists they're not all violent they're not all this they're not all that people like to do that with a lot of things even with socialism people right. will try to say well that place tried a certain type of socialism but over here we you know our type is not that type um it's just the idea that they're all basically the same principles and they're not going to work with muslims at the very base the very foundation of the religion is violent mm -hmm. it's a violent religion the people again ignorance that say that it's not or say that there are certain gr groups or groups that are or that aren't they're wrong. The, the the base of the the found the, the foundation of the religion is violence, and those people haven't read the Quran. They haven't read those writings that would show you that. Um, I myself have. I know other people that have, uh, that are Christians. And just for a good, it's a good resource. So you, it's just something that you're not. You can't. People can't call it ignorance on right. your part. And so. it's well, the other thing too that you know, I didn't even really realize until studying out just like the last quarter, which is the fact that. The idea of Islam being a religion of peace is really when you look at history and you look at even recent history, it is very much a Western belief mm -hmm. because and look at Westernism. Westernism is completely inundated with political correctness and right. completely inundated with 
tolerance falsely so-called or, you know, and so that's where we have this kind of mindset because of, you know, we're a first world country or, you know, many other first world countries. That's where their stance is on it. But as Luke was saying, you look at the writings, you look at even what's going on in the Middle East and those who are really, I mean, dead set and fundamentalists, I will even go as far as saying, uh, with their religion, they are fulfilling it out as it is written per what Muhammad had written down. And right. So, and that that's not hate speech. I mean, no, that's what Mo Mo wasn't. It wasn't like veiled or anything like that. He basically came out and said, here's what I stand for. Is Mo Muhammad? Yeah. Do I have to say peace be with you? No. Hmm? After I say, you know, Muhammad, don't the Muslims. Never heard someone call uh, him Mo. <laughs> I think our Constitution says you do. Okay. I remember seeing that in there. Washington. <laughs> Washington and Jefferson, they had a discourse about that, and it's in there. <laughs> the founding documents. Larry Moe. No, so you guys make great points. And I think the reason why, again, in a way to circle back to what I had just mentioned, is that we really live in this this coddled culture of safety. Yeah. Anybody can believe what they want to believe, pretty much except for Christians. And hey, that's okay. You notice too, that's the one group that they won't hesitate to throw out an extremist on. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to, oh, did you see this? Or violence and call us violent and <clears throat> anybody. No, you know, I'm, refer to the Old Testament. Yeah. I mean, just even with this whole New Zealand shooting that happened not that long ago in the mosque, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this guy who goes in and they, you know, I even heard some reports of people saying that he was a Christian extremist, you know, because <laughs> of course he attacked a mosque or. Yeah. And so it's that's the one where you don't see anybody trying to or they usually try to use that to say, you know, as their counterpoint of, oh, well, look at all the Christian extremists that they have no problem with saying it then. But, yeah, they always want to drop it whenever we're talking about somebody else. It's such a deceptive, thinly veiled way to appear reasonable in order to gain uh, the loyalty of your audience is to say, well, not all Muslims. And that's true. I'm not trying to give a blanket statement on anybody. But the reality is by adding extremist, you're excusing the action. Why? Yeah. Why extreme? Just because they take the the practical, literal teachings of Muhammad and they put them into play. That doesn't make them extremists. That just means that they're following the charter documents of their so-called faith. Mm-hmm. And I would use the example of in the Bible and um, even a little bit throughout history, a lot of times they'd call Christians, people who we consider probably more fundamentalist, people who believed the Bible and obeyed it, zealots. And that wasn't, right. and again, it's different with that, the extremists and with the zealots. Yes, their cause we don't believe is just. Their cause we don't believe is of God. We believe it's from Muhammad and he was a false prophet. Those things. Ours was, yes, we believe it was, the, they were fulfilling and believing and obeying the Bible. But it's the same idea as that you call it the people who are actually doing what they're supposed to do, what their writings say, we call them extremists almost as if they're, you know, not doing what the Quran says. That's not what their religion's about. Kind of just the same thing people always do. And America does have a really high tolerance for Christianity until it doesn't. And so it's all white noise to them anyways. Hey, you know what? Don't push your politics or your religion on me, and I won't do the same. But that is not what God calls us to do. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? Don't step on any toes. Don't 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 try to correct people's blindness with vision and with the truth and what I've recorded for you and preserved forever in my book. He doesn't say that. Of course, we have to do so lovingly and we do so at our own expense mm-hmm. because we don't own ourselves. We don't own our lives. We, we had talked about that today. 
we have to redeem the time for God and for his glory because it's not ours anyways. It's all on loan from him. Right. Uh, and, and actually, that's my last point here. I can't believe it's already been an hour of fun. Almost an hour. It's been like 55 minutes and 19 seconds, but who's counting? <laughs> Dell. <laughs> Audacity is. Yeah. Dell is counting counting us down. Is uh, my, my final bullet point is about Trump. And here's the thing. I think I've, I've given this disclaimer every single time I've brought him up. Now, I'm not a fan. And, and, I mean, that's kind of a, a vague statement. <laughs> I'm not a fan of any man out there. Uh, right. I'm a poet. And wh- here's what I look at. Look, he's going to be gone in, in, in a, a couple years or, or maybe, you know, five or six years, depending on how this next election goes. Three, <laughs> three months impeachment. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. That Mueller. Why are we not talking about the Mueller report and how everyone was claiming? We got to wait for all the details to come out. Well, here's all the details. Hey, I'm not recommending impeachment, not recommending indictments, not recommending charges. It's not worth it. Nah. But you know what it did do? It jacked up a lot of people's heart rate into saying, oh, well, obviously something's wrong with this guy. We need to impeach him. Now Mueller needs and to be And look at all these talking heads on the media who are saying, surely there's something wrong with this guy. Well, guess what? You just had all of these months of this idiot investigating him. And what did he come to the conclusion of? That's, that's exactly why Nancy Pelosi said, you know, it's he's not even worth it before the whole thing happened. Uh-huh. It was almost as if to soften the blow, as if they knew that nothing was going to come out. And when someone said that, I thought it was... That brings up a good topic. Is Nancy Pelosi really, truly alive? It's like weakened at Pelosi's. Dead. What? It's like weakened at Pelosi's. Yes. Yeah, someone... I think someone <laughs> is controlling her through strings. She's a puppet. Yeah. I'm not meaning that in the political metaphorical sense. I'm meaning that quite literally. She's not a Manchurian candidate. Well, she is a. Do you have? Do you know how many times it's been recorded that she will do a speech and she just completely blanks out, <laughs> or like she says, like Bush, we have to impeach Bush. Like that was something she said literally like a year and a half ago. Are you serious? Yes. Well, or or when she's <laughs> looking you know, up the the what was that speech that was going on not that long ago? Gettysburg. <laughs> Sermon on the no, Mount. It was um. Yeah, not, no, not inauguration. Uh, man, what, what was that conference they were just having where there was the jokes about the girls standing, they were all, you know, clapped. Like they were State being of the Union? Clap, State of the Union. Got it. Where she, um, I had saw a funny thing on Facebook, but it's true, where she, you know, it said, you know, the liberals, the leftists, they talk about, the people on the left, they talk about, you know, women having all these rights and being independent and things. And it said, um, women on the left, we don't want to be told when you know what to do. Also, women on the left being told when to stand, when to clap, what to wear, where to sit. <laughs> that, that speech, <laughs> and um, they said, "I think I'll stick with being on my the right side." Yeah. Anyway, just the, the point of her being a puppet. She that whole thing it was just awkward to watch. Sometimes she'd clap. Sometimes the women out in the crowd wouldn't. Half of them would. Half of them would. They, what we, they didn't know what they were doing. What do we you know do? who did not stand? AOC. Ch- Chuck. And Schumer. you know when she did not stand? When. Trump mentioned, uh, oh, what was it? It was something that had to do with like women's rights and like something that that uh, we had she done in the past year. And like all these other women who were all wearing white to symbolize something. I, I solidarity. Yeah. Purity. And all these other women stand up and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is just sitting there. Smug look on her face as always. Have you ever seen a close up picture of her? There is a lot going on there. A lot. <laughs> the the tooth to gum ratio. <laughs> The foundation that she wears when you really see an up close picture, it she looks like Casper. I think 
she might be a descendant of Charles Manson. And there are artists out there who have done a depiction that that have equated that same conclusion as well. I'm I'm waiting for her eyes to pop out one day. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know where I was going. Oh yeah. Where, so what were we talking about? With with Trump. Uh, uh I all I do is it doesn't matter who's in office. What I, what I really look at is America. Where are we at as far as the headline topics? Um, you know, joblessness, the health of the economy. Are we uh, honoring the rule of law? Are we abiding by the Constitution and everything that's made this nation so great? Or are we going to forsake it and distance ourselves from it and then see the aftermath because of that? Well, so far, not only are we not seeing the fallout that many people are predicted from putting a uh, reality star president in the White House, but we're seeing the opposite of that. Yeah. And I'm coming at this. And I, I mean this truly. If you don't believe it, whatever, I'm not going to convince you otherwise. But I do mean this without any bias whatsoever. I'm not a Trump fan. Uh, I know who he is, what he stands for. I mean, like all of us, he's a sinner. Of course, some of his womanizing and, and the, the statements that he's made throughout the course of his life have become more public because the guy's a billionaire and, mm-hmm. and he's he's broadcast around the world. However, as someone who holds an office right now and who has... Uh, to be very diligent about looking out for nearly 400 million of his constituents is kind of knocking it out of the park. And that's statistically speaking. That's not just my opinion. And what I really love about this, and this also just came out, but um, Gollum Heights in Israel, he's kind of, man, he's really chasing his success here by like putting it on steroids. <laughs> from Lord of the G- Rings. Did you say Gollum Heights? <laughs> Gollum Heights. <laughs> That's <laughs> my word for Decory. My precious. <laughs> Which is the goal the Golan Heights. Golan. Yes. <laughs> you know. You know what's great is that it didn't even dawn on me until I looked at him. And then when he looked at me, I'm like, he did say that did he? So so the Jewish people have one ring that rules them all. <laughs> They are the chosen people, after all. <laughs> so, but what what Trump has done in effect here is he's taken his stance on uh, Israel and Jerusalem, and he's doubled down on it. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> we can't recreate that. I can't get past it. Uh, but no, he's he's basically taken his policy and he's put it on steroids. For those of you don't who don't know, steroids are <laughs> an anabolic androgenic. Uh, exogenous hormone that when uh, ingested or injected into the body can increase muscle tissue and health of an otherwise healthy um, male. (laughs) Sometimes these hormones can be given to underage children who are gender confused. And uh, parents who don't allow their children to go through this hormone therapy can actually be arrested for child abuse. That's America in 2019. (laughs) In the Gollum Heights. In the, in the, the Gollum. Gollum Heights. What's the guy's name that plays him? Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Thank you for that. So what do you guys think about this? <laughs> was there a question? Yeah, there was. Uh, here, let me give it to you. What do you guys think about uh, Donald Trump being the first president that goes beyond the platitudes of recognizing the state of Israel? Because... Uh, Palestine and, and everyone else around them, they always try to argue that it's it's a war of the land. If you look at a map, they are surrounded and engulfed by thousands and thousands of mm-hmm. square miles of countries 
that <laughs> is just like swallowing them up. And all they're asking for is this little baby sliver of land, which has been theirs historically. Yeah. For anyone else that says otherwise, I mean, they're a, a moron. But like, what do you guys feel about that for the fact that we finally have a leader in the White House that is establishing an embassy there? He's recognizing the fact that uh, the land is theirs and he's doubling down. Well, that's the thing, too. I'm I'm waiting to see which so far he's proven true, but I'm waiting to see if the embassy does actually go through mm-hmm. um, because that was something that uh, I was reading in a, a book by William Grady, a uh, great biblical historian. Definitely recommend him to everybody, except for Stephen Anderson. Stephen Anderson, of <laughs> course, hates him. And he I'm takes- sure Stephen Anderson is probably listening to this podcast and he's going to do an entire message <laughs> at his false church. Uh, where he hates the Jews and hates Israel and hates everything uh, that uh, is Zionist. Uh, I'm getting way off topic on this, but anywho, uh, Bill Grady made a good point about, um, you know, you look at all these presidents since Israel's creation in 1948. We've had a lot of good presidents since then, had a lot of bad presidents since then. The one thing all of them do have in common is that they've all promised something of that degree of recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and even to the point of having the U.S. Embassy move there, every single one of them have failed on that promise. Right. Now, it does look promising that he will actually go through with it, but time will tell because so far you look at the record of history back to 1948, not a good record. Mm-hmm. LJ? I have William Grady's <laughs> autograph. You do? Yeah, he does that to all of his books when you order it on Amazon. So. I have two of them, though. Steven Anderson might give you a, a, a Alfred Hitchcock or, or, or two. He will also yeah, send you the... Yeah. <laughs> it's Alfred Herbie Hitchcock. Hitchcock. He'll anyway. also, Steven Anderson will also send you a link to uh, one of his video or one of his propaganda <laughs> videos that was used in an ISIS video. Anyway, story. my opinions on Trump and his decisions since he's become president are very, very strong. Um, as many people's are, one, one way or the other. Hancock, not Hitchcock. <laughs> what the heck is wrong with me? I thought you were being serious, like in your joking? joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was joking. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so. It's very Pause good. for station identification. <laughs> it's Hitchcockian. No, we're having some technical difficulties. <laughs> With the, the interfaces and the converters and the, the recording and software. the rotary calibers. Cal- <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Hitchcock. <laughs> he was a good director. I don't know how much he had to do with signing the... You know what, though? He never got the chance to direct Andy Serkis in the Gollum Heights. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are being so mean. <laughs> it was so funny. Gollum. Okay. <laughs> um, so Trump. Oh yeah, Don. He, he <laughs> um, my opinions on him again very strong. He has done um, a fantastic job. I, again, people will always say, and a lot of Christians even will say, very often that they don't like him. They don't respect him as a person. They don't respect his morals. They don't respect lots of things about him, and so they would never vote for him, or they couldn't vote for him. And um, so I guess that might mean they don't vote because obviously if they voted the other way, that's they're they're gonna have to compromise on a lot more. Mm-hmm. So in that case, they must have not be voting at all. Anyway, my opinions on him in total have been extremely high. I think everything mainly because of what he's doing with Israel. Now we know we believe the Bible. We believe when it says when God says He will bless them that bless thee, talking to Israel, talking to Abraham, and bless curse them that curse thee. We believe that. We believe. Um, that and it's happened throughout history those that have gone against Israel have failed those countries and they're no longer world powers or it's taken them a long time to regain power 
and those that have blessed Israel as the United States. One of the major reasons we won World War II, a little history lesson there, is because of our support for Israel. And so anytime a president is willing to step up and say, especially in this time in history, um, is willing to step up and say they're going to do something for Israel, they're going to do something like especially recognizing land mm -hmm. that God originally promised to Israel that's been taken from them, from them over the years. When someone in that kind of world power position as Donald Trump is willing to stand up and say, yes, this is Israel's land, and he even used the word he recognizes it as their sovereign land, their land, theirs alone. And when someone's willing to do that with Jerusalem specifically, but then even with the Golan Heights and um, <laughs> with the Golan Heights and uh, that being part of that original land, anytime someone does that, it's going to bless that country. And I think we've seen a lot of the fruits of <clears throat> without a doubt God blessing our country because of what he's done and the decisions he's made. And not only that, I hear people complain a lot about our support for Israel over, you know, Palestine or the other, the other, uh, a lot of the other enemies of Israel and those Iran, those kinds of countries. And really, when you think about it, it's a even if you want to forget the Bible, forget all those things, and you don't have that opinion, it's a smart move as a country to be allies with Israel. They are the, and, um, don't fact check me here, but they were the hundred. We're going to. For it, Pinocchio. It's one of these ones. So it's one of these ones. They are the 100th or the 103rd largest country in the world, and they are the eighth strongest army in the world, or military. <laughs> Their entire demeanor, and they don't they do not do this. This is my interpretation, is like, come at me, bro. They when are, you're 18, you have to sign up for the army and serve two years. Yeah, that's, it, they it have is. a good I mean, plan. They, they, they get missiles fired at them all the time. They, uh -huh. Technologically, they have helped us as a country immensely. People don't know even a lot of the things that Israelis have come to this country and developed, such as the nuclear bomb. They were pretty much almost everyone on the, the team of developing that original nuclear bomb during World War II was Israeli, was Jewish, and that's really what gave us the power we had at that time and today. So it's, they have they were going to call Originally, part. they were going to call it the nuclear bomb. <laughs> Steven Anderson would be proud of that joke. <laughs> Stevie. <laughs> Big old Stevo, um, but I will say this though, you know, it's uh, I was a little bit hesitant with him because I, I know his big thing was he was platforming on the fact that he was not a politician, mm -hmm. and he was using that to his strength. Whereas I, at early stages, thought that as a weakness, and I wanted someone like a Ted Cruz or uh, a Marco Rubio. I really wanted somebody like that in there. John McCain, <laughs> Kasich. How, what a liberal and Romney. a Republican's clothing yeah. that guy was, but glad he's out of Ohio. Yeah. Um, and on CNN, that should tell you something. Uh, but anyways, uh, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> and that, podcast comes full circle. They, that's how subtle they sneak it into the, the Super Bowl and other things like that. Yeah. But um, that was where I, I, I've been very impressed with him so far, but... So you Tomorrow reversed, could come, huh? You reversed your stance then. Well, no, no, no. It wasn't that I was necessarily against him. Yeah. I just thought that there were better qualified Republicans that could run this country okay. over them because of them being a politician. Shut up. You're what not do you know? Friend with Don, are you? Not huh? like us. We're on the first name basis. Yeah. Me and Aaron. Yeah. We call him Don. Me and you. Yeah. Group text. Oh. We have with him. <laughs> I don't think he will, but I mean, it just goes to show that you know you don't put any man up on a pedestal, and, and we've already talked about that in length about not. Uh, worshiping and serving a man, but I mean, tomorrow could come and he could completely change his mind because so many other presidents have said that they've supported Israel. 
I mean, even just going back to Bush one, Clinton, Bush two, the nineties and the two thousands. And even though they've said their support of Bush, uh, the way that they have taken land away from Israel and the repercussions that have come against America since then afterwards. I mean, just look at it. Look at what happened to George Herbert Walker Bush's summer home or winter home, whatever, uh, in 91. Um, the perfect I would storm. Be interested to see sure, go ahead. I was I was done talking. You can go ahead and interrupt me. That's cool. But I think I actually am done. <laughs> I know there was a break. I was, I, he was doing I, you a favor. I would be interested to see when Obama had um, supported Israel. Now, I guess that depends on what you call In support. word only. Well, again, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess that depends on what you consider support. I was meeting with a guy um, Wednesday for Wings watching some or Thursday watching some March Madness. A guy. One of my dad's old college friends, he went out to eat with us, and we had a lot of conversation. He's kind of been taken more to the the left, as he said, since college, when on a lot of issues based on where he works, really. And he see, he's a he's a history teacher. He knows history. So we were talking to him about Israel and about their history, trying to kind of lead into the Bible and the truth of the Bible. And he seemed to think that, and I think it's a popular belief with a lot of people on that side, especially even on the right, really only us, maybe I would say, would not believe this to be possible, but... His big opinion was on, and his big issues were on the two-state deal. And I think a lot of people talk about that, and that might be considered support for Israel. But we we know that will never that will never happen in the way that we see it. Now, there will be a peace treaty. We understand all that. But the, the, the idea of a two-state solution, they've been at war for thousands of years. That's just not yeah. going to happen. It's just not. That's a pipe dream. Yeah. There is a chance, maybe, let me know what you guys think, that the reason Donald Trump is is uh, advocating on behalf of the Jewish people so heavily is so that one day he can go help rebuild the temple, maybe take a seat in there oh and proclaim himself as God. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you he's, see? Sneaky, little sneaky sly boots. He's not from Syria. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. There's a lot of, the There's a lot of yeah. biblical outliers for what the Antichrist is going to be. In. Until the son of perdition is revealed. The, the cool could, thing. Or it could be because his son-in-law and daughter are both Jewish. Right? Could be. Mm. Well, she's Jewish. And that her, would be that's Jewish the one in reason. her religion. He's Jewish by his, you know, birth also. So. Yeah. That would be the one reason why I would see him never doing anything against them. Well, yeah, but, God uses situations like that. So. But here's the thing, though. I mean, as well as he's doing, it, given the talking heads, everybody does everything by the media nowadays. Everybody is influenced by the media. Everybody believes everything from the media. Uh, I'm not even going on like a fake news rant or anything of that sort. It's just we live in a day and age where everything is done and connected through some kind of media, whether it be TV, newspaper, other forms of print, or the big one, social. There are so many articles that are reposted, that are retweeted, so many other blogs that are um, you know, posted, pasted, etc. and so forth. Uh, Ibid, you know, I'm just re- repeating myself, but... And everybody latches on to what they want to hear through that means and without cross-referencing, without going to primary sources instead of just hearing these things secondhand, you know, everybody is believing these lies that are circulating around about whatever they want it to be, whatever fits their own narrative and their own agenda. And so I really feel as though, given the fact that Satan is the prince and the power of the air, um, that many people through these means have persuade a lot of people that this presidency isn't going well and that the country isn't doing well because of all of the other talking points that we've touched on the idea of uh, hurting people's feelings the idea that 
uh, you know, well, look at all these these gun rate, you know, crime rates and all these, you know, mass deaths, et cetera. And so forth. How could we possibly be in a good country right now? And I think that is going to be one of the biggest things used against him in the 2020 election. And honestly, for that, I wouldn't be surprised to see if he does not get reelected because of just how much is being pushed against him and how many people are blindly believing this stuff without actually checking out their sources themselves. Not. Quick point to that. <laughs> He'll get reelected. Corey just messed it yeah, up. I'm so wanting that to happen, but I'm also a realist who sees the, chi- the times and the seasons. Quick point to that. I heard something the other day that I thought was really cool and really true. It's with this age especially where someone will post a half-truth online, something that's a complete, just half-truth, not the full truth at all, and somebody else reads that takes it as the absolute truth and then they perpetrate that to other people as if it is true exactly and it's not just now it's like a bad game of telephone where you don't even start with the right truth with the right you know information you completely start with a half thing that's wrong and then you're playing a game of telephone with other people and social media in that way really then ruins because i mean imagine just imagine a situation someone posts a half truth somebody else believes it makes their own post about it and then somebody else reads that post shares that and makes it people when they make it into their own thing, it just becomes even. I mean, the truth becomes so lost. And and I think that was to your point. Yes. Where that's that's the world we live in, where people are accepting half truths and then half truths, and then perpetrating them as if they're completely true, and other people misunderstand that, and it just leads to misinformation. Misinformation is the biggest issue. I mean, facing our world. A quick illustration to both of these points. And to my main point as to why I think, you know, we should be worried for 2020, not worried because God's ultimately in control, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, again, I know we make fun of her and everything like that, but look at how popular she is. And even the founder of Greenpeace, this known liberal organization, said that she and her Green New Deal is so idiotic and stupid. And I'm like, but yet look how beloved and adored and popular she is among so many people And if you just look at what she says, look at some of the questions that she asks, you know, to like Wells Fargo or to, you know, some of these other uh, inquisitions, you might as well call them, that she has, that she's asked. She is an idiot, yet beloved greatly by so many people on social media because, oh, she speaks to us. Oh, she's young and hip. This is the way that the world is going to where it's, yeah. it's more about popularity. And that's why we shouldn't be surprised that there's so much talk about getting rid of the Electoral College and going with the popular vote because we should have our presidency based upon a popularity contest. That's what most people think, unfortunately. And they don't even see the value of an Electoral College and how it protects the rights of the minority. There is, with 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 things like that, just again, last quick point here, but where I think about 30 years ago, how many people would have said, yes, we agree with abortion up to the day of birth? I would I would reckon maybe nobody if a small group of two, three politicians. And now that is law. And actually, a couple other countries have kind of, or not country states, have kind of gone along with New York on that, where, yes, people are, even Democrats are coming out and speaking against her ideas of socialism now. But 20, 30 years from now, it won't be so crazy. Like things like that 30 years ago? No. Uh, abort- 20, 30 years from now, dude? I'm thinking five years from now, if no, that. you're right. Uh, a lot of Americans are leaning more towards socialism. And it does come back to how it makes you feel and not what the truth and the fact of the matter is. Um, 
And I think that's what you kind of meant with her being hip, cool, people liking her. It's emotion-based, not based on what she says. Yeah. Interestingly enough, and I just pulled this up to make sure I had my numbers right, but AOC's popularity has been in a, a very steep and very rapid decline as uh, I have her, seen that, yeah. her, her name recognition grows as people know who she is, what she stands for. They're really going out of their way to distance themselves. Them, they, you know, the people I'm talking about are really her own constituents, her own party. But how long before the next one rises up or is that next one Beto? She's been losing popularity in her, especially in her state because of the um, no, again, I yeah. don't know exactly the what's happened, but people aren't happy with the results of Amazon. Oh yeah, well the fact <laughs> that she wouldn't even get an office within her own district, and she's, the whole Amazon deal. She's gone from twenty six percent having viewed her unfavorably um, to the most recent report that just came out this past week to forty one percent, nearly a, a doubling of her <laughs> unfavorability. That's rapid. I mean, that is like. I don't know, man. So uh, the writing's on the wall. I, I've never seen someone's some someone's figures double dip like that. Yeah, but she'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all well, I she hope can for. Can always go back to dancing videos and <laughs> yeah, bartending, bartending, bartending. Yeah, exactly. She's highly qualified for shaken, not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> Running our nation, I don't know. Uh, so my final point here, as far as a, a closing word, is. Luckily, and it's it's half luck and it's half great decisions by our, our founding fathers and their predecessors. But we have always come out on the right side of history. We, as the American people, as the American nation, our borders have been protected. We've survived um, many major wars, uh, two world wars, as a matter of fact. And we have the, the wherewithal, the resources and the motivation so far, politically speaking, to provide aid and assistance to many countries around the world over the last century, including but not limited to Israel. And I think that that's amazing. I don't really stand on the side of history that thinks that we should be the, the world police. But without getting off into a rabbit trail there, eventually a new Jerusalem is going to come down, a literal new Jerusalem, and everything is going to be made right. So like Corey said, you know, no matter how the election pans out here over the next year, we don't have to be worried. No. And that's a great place to be in uh, because we know who has control of tomorrow. And uh, I mean, we just have to abide. Yes. Just like the dude from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> or like the branch in the vine of John 15. Either or. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're both spiritually gratifying. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I, I don't. I want you, so I'm going to hand off to Corey and then to Luke. Um, Corey, as a three-timer, Luke, as your first time in studio. Uh, Corey, share, share your final thoughts after I wrap up. And then Luke, if you could, first song that comes to your head right now, think of it. Thunderstruck. Oh, we'll do it. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to close out with Thunderstruck. So <laughs> look forward to that. My final thought is, is um, pretty much just that. I won't belabor the point. Uh, but I do want to encourage people uh, because my wife has become a lot more active in operating uh, in the day-to-day -day management of flexyourfaith.com. Check out some of her articles. We actually do maintain mm -hmm. a daily blog over at flexyourfaith.com slash buff blog. Uh, none of the articles are about fitness, ironically. I just thought it was a cool name, <laughs> buff blog. But she has been writing a lot Kinda about- Kind of like this being the pump cast has really nothing to do ever. with lifting. Yeah. We'll there pump. was that one that you did mention something about a, a professional bodybuilder, yeah, and, and then, that was it. And then I got bored. <laughs> really fast <laughs> and if i get bored talking about it i can only imagine what people get listening about it 
Bodybuilding's kind of stupid. <laughs> but so whatever. your final thought about your wife and the blogs? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So um, yeah, check it out, guys. Uh, I think on the right hand column you can subscribe. Uh, I mean, we're a small organization. We're not going to like sell your, you know, the three hundred email addresses that we have. So you, it, your information is very safe with us. You'll get notifications um, five times a week. We're 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 pretty uh, structured to that. There's brand new articles that come out. We always rely on scripture for our opinions to become fact as God sees fit. So if you want to check it out, you get some of your daily bread over there. Uh, and then also, for those of you listening to this, you probably will already know about our official Pumpcast channel. <laughs> Last week, I screwed it up because uh, I make mistakes too sometimes, you know, a couple times a year. But if you go to <laughs> anchor.fm slash FYF Pumpcast, you can just hit the favorite button. Um, we are also on several other like Google Cast, Spotify, different places like that. You can find us. But that's our home base is anchor.fm. Broadcasting all the way to the Gollum Heights. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, man, that's funny. That's going to be a running joke, huh? All right. We'll see you next time you're in the studio. <laughs> so that's all I have to say. I, I love it. It's just a blast every single time I get uh, guys like you in the studio. Uh, we, we might not be hearing from Corey for a while. He's got some. No, I'm just kidding. He'll be back as uh, as the Lord tarries. <laughs> but uh, Corey, go ahead and give your final thoughts and then hand it off to Luke and we'll be all wrapped. Uh, it's actually funny that you were mentioning that's something i've been thinking a lot about is uh and studying in this john 15 <laughs> about the branch and the vine and abiding nice. uh and just something that had uh, dawned on me and i never really looked at it like this but you know there's many passages in scripture specifically in you know those last couple chapters of john where christ is giving his final discipleship lesson so to speak to his disciples and he's talking about you know abide in me and i in you or you know in that day you'll understand how i am in you and you in me and, you know, there are verses that show up again and again in those chapters, and sometimes it can be very, very confusing. How is it that Christ is in us and we are in him? And, you know, doctrinally, you get that whole picture of, you know, Christ dying and us repenting and receiving him as our Savior. You know, we are placed in Christ so that when God the Father looks down, he doesn't see our sinfulness. He only sees the blood of his dear Son because we are placed in Christ and we are safe and secure there. And he doesn't look upon our day-to-day -day sinful struggles uh, so we get that picture doctrinally, but as far as like a practical application, I was like, man, how do we, you know, and of course the idea of him and us, the Holy Spirit in our hearts, but um, how does that, how do we live that out? And the illustration that, you know, as I was studying it out with John 15, the idea of a branch and the fact that we as the bride of Christ, a predominantly Gentile bride, of course, Jewish people can come to know Christ and, and be a part of the bride of Christ as well, but you know, in Romans 11, we're talked about as that branch that's been grafted in. Mm -hmm. Well, in order for that branch to be grafted in, it has to be plucked from its original source. Which, again, a beautiful picture of salvation. We are dead in our state as we are born here. We are all born sinners. We're dead in this state. We have to die to self in order to be born again. And so it's that picture of us being plucked from the branch. When a branch is plucked from its original tree it no longer, it, it's going to die. It, it has no more life flowing through it. And so us being that branch that was grafted into the vine of Christ, you know, it, it's that beautiful picture of us in him. But also what brings it its life is that as it's grafted into that tree, that vine, sap from that vine 
or from that tree or whatever it is, is going to flow into that branch, giving it that newness of life. So the branch is in the tree and the sap from the tree is going into the branch. And it was just that beautiful picture that I never really saw before of us in Christ, Christ in us. How does that work out day to day, especially when Christ is calling us to die to self every single day, to take up our cross daily in, you know, Luke chapter nine and, and, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, I must decrease, he must increase in John three, all of these things that we're told to do, all that we're called to do as we abide in him as a dead branch, he will give us newness of life in that fellowship of his sufferings, that that power of his resurrection in Philippians 3. He's going to give us that newness of life to empower us to go on to whatever the task that he has for us day in and day out. So it was just really cool to me. I never really thought about the idea of us and him, him and us, and the idea of, you know, a branch in a vine, power flowing through us, life throwing flew up, flowing through us uh, in the picture of the sap. And so I was just really blown away by that and thought that like, okay, wow, that's, a great practical example of how we are to live every single day. Not just that is that something that happened in salvation. That's something that should happen every single day in our lives as we go through our walk. You've been gardening for spring, haven't you? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Have you ever read <clears throat> Abiding Christ? The yes. book Abiding Christ? Well, you I, and I talked about it several I, times I, I over. <clears throat> I can remember. Uh, well, Corey definitely pulled some um, de- cool... Um, applications from that book for anyone who's listening i would say that is a number one recommendation mm-hmm. for me out of all of the books i've read that's a it's an amazing book um very practical very um, i, I want to say inspiring but not in the way of just that's all that it's about it's it, it's it's gonna inspire a deeper relationship with christ it's a book i would recommend that you read it slowly mm-hmm. and that you do no more than a chapter a day it takes and yeah you can't do more than a chapter a day to really get it and understand it. it's a deep book but um, along the lines, it's perfect, actually, along the lines of abiding in Christ and somewhere I've been studying personally lately, something that's really been on my heart. Um, it actually came from my studying for a lesson I was going to teach. Um, and it's in Genesis, one of the most simple stories in the Bible, but uh, a very familiar story, but one that we have a lot to learn from. And it's, it deals with Adam and Eve in the garden when they first sinned. And there's an idea there that I love. I just love it. And it even goes along with the whole New Jerusalem idea that we talked about and Aaron mentioned where... You know, Adam and Eve in the garden, they sinned against God, yes. But there's something special in that story where Jesus, or pre-incarnate Christ, um, you see God, the Lord, as it says in that chapter, walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And you see, the, you hear, it says, you, the, ver, the words used is the voice of the Lord was walking. And um, then he's calling out to Adam and Eve, and he's looking for them. And obviously they knew to hide themselves at the right time because they knew when he was coming. He must have come at a certain time to spend time with them that they knew of. And there's a whole thing that goes into that. Well, basically, in the very beginning when God made us, he made us and he made us to have an intimate relationship with him, to abide with him, abiding being like a resting place, a place of dwelling. And he literally dwelt among them in the garden. He would spend time abiding in the garden with them in an intimate relationship. Um, And why is that important now? Well, God desires that for every Christian right now in their lives to have an intimate relationship relationship where in the cool of the day we meet him that cool of the day being the morning for me that's what i think of and you meet him you meet him in the word of god you hear from him you meet him in prayer you talk to him he wants that sort of relationship with you now and the whole bible being really the written culmination of from that point where we sinned against him 
God's special creation made in his image, sinned against God in the garden from that point all through the Bible to the day when he restores everything after the second coming. And in the millennial kingdom in the new Jerusalem, really, ultimately, where he restores all of us that are made in his image to his his image, um, his three-part image again, and he wants us, and he has us spending time with him, he's going to, be, again, be dwelling with us, walking with that creation where it's actually kind of cool when you think about it. Some A lot of things I had never thought of, there's too much to ex- explain all of it, but a lot of things I had never thought of in that Genesis chapter, but one of them being how when God, for all of eternity past, saw his His bodily, his, his, his form that was in a body, Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, that was the part of God he could that you can see that we can see that that was a visible part of God, and when the Father looked at him, that was what he saw for all of eternity past. And then when he made Lucifer and when he made the angels, he didn't see that they're not in his image. And when he made us, he was looking at a people that were made in the very image of his Son, and he was looking. It was almost like he was looking at a whole race of people, and is looking mm-hmm. at a whole race of people that look like his Son in their image. And that's just got to be so spe- special to God, and for all of eternity, he desires for that again to have that physical relationship where we walk and spend time with him face to face. And um, that is just, to me, the most amazing story in the Bible. I love that it begins with that and that he does everything he does to restore it to that. That's what he originally intended. God didn't just make us for nothing. He made us to be the object of his love, something he could love and spend time with. And um, that would be able to bring glory to him for that. It just goes along with abiding. It goes along with that story in Genesis, and it goes along with the future hope for New Jerusalem. And you know, we can even have that today. But one day we'll be that physical abiding with Him again. So, tell me, you never finished that book? Still going through it. A chapter a day. <laughs> Less than that. <laughs> for over a year. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's a three hundred sixty-five chapter book. <laughs> I've, I've actually finished it. Yes, um, a sentence a day. Six minute abs. <laughs> Luke, that was a storm of scripture. So on three, we're all gonna say thunder, and we'll see you next time on the pumpcast. Ready? One, two, three. Thunder! thunder!